Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, today we're talking about the psychology of cheating and stealing. Now, you know, going into this, these topics, uh, cheating and stealing have a lot in common, but they're very different. And uh, I'm going to kind of weave back and forth between the two. But the other part of it is, is that um, when I'm talking about cheating, I'm, I'm also talking about cheating in relationships kind of directly. But the other part of it is that the, the psychological factors involved in cheating, especially in a relationship, have everything to do with people that cheat. And it's within people's nature to try to take advantage for their own selfish reasons of any vulnerability that there is, especially when they have a passionate desire for an outcome that is self-serving and they feel like they have approval of other people who do that, uh, they tend to believe that no matter, they go into this delusional thought that what they did is okay. And it's not okay. You know, and the strange thing is when you hold offenders accountable, unless they make a full confession, they usually offer explanations for why they behaved as they did. And their after-the-fact statements are usually intended to gain sympathy, minimize culpability. They focus on people and circumstances outside of themselves. And often their statements sound plausible, even to somebody that's a seasoned interrogator or mental health professional. You know, when a criminal is interrogated or interviewed about their illegal conduct, uh, there's two evaluations that are occurring simultaneously. You know, uh, uh, what he's doing and what he has done all his life, namely casting out others to target any vulnerability, the criminal counts on outsmarting the interrogator, and he's been doing this since childhood when he was called to account for his behavior by his parents, his, teach, his or her uh, parents, teachers, others. And some of the explanations appear absurd, e- even to a relatively inexperienced interviewer. For example, when apprehending shoplifters, They say things like, everybody does it. The store overcharges to begin with. The store won't miss it. I didn't have the money. These transparent excuses after the fact have little bearing on the actual motivation to steal. And a person who steals things that he already owns can easily afford or does not want or need to be you know, baffling. And mental health professionals may think that that stealing can be explained by a a psychological disorder. The habitual thief may appear to suffer from compulsion, which is what's called kleptomania. And they may be seen as resorting to stealing as a way to feel better while coping with depression or adverse circumstances over which they have no control. You know, perhaps a person steals to boost their self-esteem. You know, uh, uh, there's all kinds of people that do that kind of stuff. And if, if a criminal doesn't have enough excuses Uh, uh, kleptomania may exist in the minds of mental health professionals, but it is a concept that offers an excuse rather than an explanation. And that so-called kleptomaniac is actually someone who steals frequently, becomes good at it, 
They survey the situation. They spot security devices or people. They're not compelled. Um, they're not compelled to steal, but they make a series of choices as to when to steal, and then they calculate when conditions are optimal. And this is on a small scale or on a large scale. And, and feeling better has little relevance to relieving depression. Thousands of people are depressed, but they're not tempted to steal. However, habitual thieves experience a rush or a high at every phase of the crime. And it is the excitement of the enterprise that's paramount, deciding which store to target, entering and scanning the premises, pinpointing weaknesses, figuring out the best way to swipe them and make a clean getaway. And as for a thief who calls himself a, a consumer representative, it, it's impossible to know whether they're being truthful uh, about their 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 life. You know, ha- perhaps they did not trust uh, their their parents. Perhaps they weren't trusted as a child. Perhaps they were labeled as a liar or stealing or misbehaving all the way through their childhood. And that may be why they have a tendency to steal because they don't really care. But, you know, poverty has been considered a root cause of stealing. However, most poor people don't steal and many who are well off do. You know, a a woman who declared she was forced to steal to buy formula and diapers for their baby might convince others to feel sorry for them. You know, uh, peer pressure is another factor frequently cited by uh, people. You know, peer pressure uh, does occur. And the question is, you know, who, who chooses their peers? Kids and adults gravitate to each other who share their interests. And so a boy who claims all my friends are doing it is disclosing a lot about their choice of friends, therefore revealing something about themselves. You know, it's critical to understand the motivation for crimes and not to be deceived by perpetrators when they're held accountable and are searching for ways to evade responsibility. And then if we look at cheaters, you know, and once again, we're going to talk about mostly relationship cheaters. But the bottom line is the same formula makes up people who cheat. More than 90 percent of Americans believe infidelity is unacceptable, yet 30 to 40 percent of people engage in it. And infidelity is associated with adverse outcomes such as depression, domestic violence, divorce, even homicide. And considering these affects, why do people cheat? And the the phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater, is that true? You know, individual reasons are what make up a cheater. The phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater, refers to individual reasons for for cheating. Qualities about the person that make him or her more prone to commit infidelity or cheating. And researchers have identified a variety of individual factors, such as gender, Men are more likely than women to commit an infidelity, largely because men have more testosterone, which is responsible for a strong desire for have sex. And then there's personality. And those who have less consciousness, uh, conscientiousness and less agreeability uh, uh, personalities are more likely than people on the high on uh, high on these traits to commit infidelity. You know, if you're wondering about your own personality, there's assessments you can take about, you know, what's your probability. And then there's religiosity and political orientation. Very religious people and those with conservative political orientation are less likely than others to commit infidelity because they have more rigid values. And, you know, that's in general. That doesn't mean they don't have a double life. You know, relationship reasons. People also cheat 
uh, because of relationship reasons, like characteristics about their relationship itself is unsatisfying, or maybe even their relationship with themselves is unsatisfying. But the bottom line is both cheating and stealing is a game. It's a mental game to avoid a person's own personal demons, their own personal psychological issues. And it's a game that they feel is propping up their personality to say, aha, I got you. And then they live within the delusion that they didn't cheat. And that's the sad truth. You know, um, there's situational reasons. You know, a person might uh, have a personality prone to cheating and might be perfectly happy in a relationship, but something about their environment puts them in a risk for infidelity. And some situations are more tempting than others. Spending time in settings with attractive people can make cheating more likely. Or if you're going to be around people that cheat, there's a high likelihood that you're going to cheat. You know, and how can you protect yourself from cheating? You know, well, First, you know, if you're going to talk about a relationship, talk to your partner about the definition of infidelity. People have different ideas about what constitutes cheating, and partners need to develop a consensus. And it's easy to understand where the boundaries are and what will hurt your partner if you have an open discussion about it. And most people agree that sex with another person constitutes infidelity. And by the way, if you're going to cheat, you've already set yourself up for a divorce, and so, you know, if, if the consequences, your partner doesn't want to be with you, don't be all butthurt because you made a choice and put them on a, in a situation where now they have to make a choice because of your choice. And so, you know, in all relationships, and when people do not respect their integrity, what happens is people have a tendency to have issues about the truth. And when people have issues about dancing around the truth, what they're basically doing is putting their relationship with their partner in, in jeopardy. Because all disagreements between people have to do with trust. You can love someone and not trust them. But when you trust someone, the love grows. So all relationships, if you're going to make them better, you have to work on trust. And if you're going to drop trust issues into a relationship, expect, expect a bad outcome. That's just the way it goes. That's how people weigh a relationship. The people that are happy with each other trust each other. And that's where peace is. Un unfortunately, people that cheat and lie struggle with all kinds of infidelity, whether it's physical, mental, or whatever. And, and they basically don't have the respect of themselves or other people, and they view people as a thing. They view women as an object rather than a person. They, refer, they look at a man as an object rather than a person. You know, you can have relationships with sexual attractions to all kinds of people. But that doesn't mean that your personality and their personality is going to match. And a lot of people... Uh, judge their life based on their physical. Now, cheating is a pattern of behavior, but, but you know what also comes along with certain thought patterns. And so there's not a single reason or a path for a cheating. However, uh, there are a collection of very distinct psychological patterns that cover a vast majority of reasons why people cheat. You know, psychologists have observed these patterns over the years and have found certain explanations for their behaviors. Whether you've been cheated on, have cheated in the past, or are curious about the psychology and infidelity, these 
insights might be interesting to you. You know, a cheater might turn to infidelity because they're scared of getting into a fight about something that's been bothering them. So cheating then is an outlet for their frustrations without having to address them in a way that might be intense. Um, uh, People that are conflict avoidant are prone to have problems with cheating. You know, people cheat often with the fear of facing conflict. And so they know their problems. They they mess around and not address them. They don't see a change and they don't know how to dive in deep with their partner to address the, 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 the cheating relationship. And this goes to with employers. If you're cheating from employers, if you're cheating with friends, police or anything like that. Uh, that's going to hold them accountable these days. Now we're attacking the police rather than attacking the people who cheat and steal. And that includes possibly in our election. You know, uh, it's it's sad to say, but, you know, it's really not a, a, a big leap of, uh, of understanding to know that you have one candidate out there with masses of people in every state, even the ones up for contention, and then you have another guy hiding in the basement who already knows that the game is up, and he already knows he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't really have to say anything, and it's all rigged, and and it's amazing that we as people don't even find that uh, uh, curious, and it's sad, and it's really sad because it's going to change the dynamic of our country that cheating is okay and stealing is okay, and it's not okay. You know, sometimes a person cheats, sees their behavior as a piece of a puzzle to save something. People cheat to keep the relationship together. They, they, they like things about people. They like things about their situation, but they love things, you know, about, about their partner and their life and all that stuff. But there are other aspects that, that they just kind of push away. And it's sad but true. And uh, uh, another way a cheater might uh, see like cheating as a means to fix something. Some cheating is about getting, uh, uh, filling a gap for your family or filling a gap for yourself by stealing something that may you see enhance your life. You know, um, if you believe, you know, someone has done something wrong, the passive aggressive, which is what most cheaters are, passive aggressive, they might see their infidelity as a way to settle things in a non-confrontational uh, way, but still hurtful, you know, and uh, sad. It's sad. And now when I talk about uh, passive aggressive, uh, what I'm basically saying is they continue to see a problem, but they don't address it. And so what they do is instead of uh, addressing it, they stuff it and stuff it and stuff it. And then they find an outlet or they do some kind of childish outburst. Uh, over a very small problem, and uh, basically that problem is related to a much bigger problem, and so they they either do something horrible or they say something horrible, and then they look crazy, and they have hurt a lot of people, and it's sad. You know, they don't, when cheaters think about what they're doing or what they've done, they often uh, rationalize their actions by minimizing it. This way, what they've done isn't as big a deal as it might be to their partner. That's why maybe somebody that steals from people that might have more than you, people think that's okay because they've got so much and I have so little. Why can't I take advantage of what they have? Well, you didn't earn it. That's why. And now if you're going to step into being a cheater or a liar or stealing, what you're basically doing is attacking your own integrity, which means you as a person 
can't even trust yourself, let alone be trusted, which means you cannot have really strong, trusting relationships in your life. And that is a personal problem that we have to look at ourselves and go, I don't cheat because I don't cheat. It's wrong. I don't steal because it's wrong. I know it's wrong. I need to make wise choices. I need to be wise so that I have integrity so that when I'm old, people will still want me in their life. Otherwise, many of these folks just sit in nursing homes with nobody visiting them for the rest of their lives because they did not manage their integrity. Not all cheaters uh, view things, uh, you know, the same. The types of people who cheat are, are usually polarized between narcissists and people with extremely low self-esteem. Both of these types of people, however, might feel a need for an extra boost of love sometimes. So they have a need for attention to be put on the pedestal and, uh, and some people have a constant need for attention as a way to validate themselves because they cannot validate themselves from within. So they lack a sense of inherited self-worth. Others who already see themselves as that want constant reassurance. And sometimes people that cheat think, uh, you know, seeking, seeking something outside of the confines of their life might be the best thing to do for the sake of themselves, they may feel guilty about being unsatisfied and are afraid to, to cause the only uh, 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 their, their life to, to be unloved. And if you're going to cheat and steal and lie, you're basically uh, going to put a hole in your life and put a hole in your soul, and you're going to carry that with you for the rest of your life. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about how it feels to be cheated. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is dr. 
gbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the psychology of cheating and stealing. You know, when you're cheated, to put it lightly, it sucks. You know, uh, it impacts more than just our feelings. It has short, long-term consequences for our brain chemistry. It impacts everything from the type of initial pain we experience to the way we evaluate uh, our, our future. And understanding the neurological impact of cheating or stealing on the brain may not help us recover, but it does make it clear that something with serious consequences for people who who have uh, cheating in their life or have infidelities in their life. And, and that is foolproof that you, your grief and questioning afterwards shouldn't be dismissed or downplayed. Never let anyone say it's all in your head, as it turns out that that's precisely where the real action is. You know, the interplay between emotional experiences and physical consequences is is an increasing area of, of scientific and, and research. Um, for centuries, we've looked at experience and happiness, pain, grief is somehow uh, ethereal and separate from the body. And in a lot of cases, uh, it's re- legit. You know, we're, we're gradually building a different map of emotions. And in this century, that integrates the two, the, the emotional and the physical. And uh, it's very important to, to also understand how our pain receptors work and the specific hormonal chemicals that are released and the impacts that addictive neural pathways and future reasoning may be impacted by being cheated on or stolen from. An important note, this, this stuff doesn't apply to people who are uh, 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 you know, serial daters or whatever because these reactions aren't somehow connected to the act of being with someone beside your partner. They're tied to the emotional implications of being cheated on and being cheated or having been stolen from, uh, and, and, and this causes a phenomenal uh, comprehension of what the world is like, and it affects a person's personal overall philosophy of life. It also affects people's religion, understanding of God and, and, uh, and faith and interactions with other people. Now you begin to view people from a different light of understanding and it's it's pretty sad but we carry that with us we also when we're cheated on and stolen from we understand exactly how small we are as people and how vulnerable we all are as people to people who are despicable criminals and cheaters you know the 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 one isn't about just infidelity rather than any kind of heartbreak can induce pain. And it turns out that breakups and dumping and romantic betrayals, stealing and having been stolen from, having been cheated are both emotionally and physically painful because they activate those that physical discomfort, you know, and it's important. If, if you, if you uh, even look at someone who reminds you of someone who has cheated or stolen from you, you begin to emote an entirely different uh, a class of emotions towards those people, and it's amazing how that how that can happen. It it, it creates a path in your brain that stays there, you know. And, and and what's really really important to understand when we're cheated 
on or stolen from, our brain reacts as if we've gone cold turkey on a substance to which we develop an intense addiction. So love is to the brain as addictive as cocaine, you know, and and the experience of love, particularly in its intense first stages. And this has to do with not just love of ourselves, love of a partner, love of our children, love of parents, love of our best friends, any kind of that, when people who are, are seriously demonstrating a sense of emotion towards an object, maybe your golf clubs or whatever, but a person, you know, they show strong reactions to that. Uh, their Harley motorcycle, you know, uh, there's, there's a huge amount of feel-good chemicals that motivates behavior to attempt, you know, to get another fix. And if that fix is taken away, the body reacts in much the same way as, as you just quit smoking after 20 years. You know, the infidelity is often uh, hijacks the reward paths of our brain. And so that means cheating and stealing also hijacks the rewards part of our brain. And now we're living on the defense rather than on the offense. We're off our path. We're souls living a human life. And when we're cheated and when we're stolen, we become defensive and do not evolve rather than we devolve because we're now viewing the world through a different spectrum. And it's, uh, you know, women in particular are likely to respond particularly to affairs with uh, rumination. And the tendency to be repetitively think about the causes, the situational factors, the consequences, the negative emotional experience. And and it's something that's made you feel bad. In other words, the rumination is the thing that causes you to endlessly go over the feelings in your mind. And that is a trap. And sadly, when people live with people who cheat or lie or steal from them in any way, and it may be even stealing or cheating emotionally, The bottom line is it hurts. It hurts and we begin to live as if we're viewing ourselves as to why is this happening to me? What am I doing to cause this? How did this happen to me? You know, we tend to ruminate as as the addictive nature of love and our response to it. So when we're betrayed, that is one of the deepest cuts we can possibly do to anyone. Stealing and cheating means that we are not safe as people with people in our life, especially people that steal and cheat and take no accountability for it. So it's really hard for us to sit around knowing that people have cheated and lied and nobody can do anything about it because there's not enough facts. But it's there and it's in your face and you know it and it's disgusting it's disgusting and, and people will do that just to get their way you know uh, uh, there, there's also you know looking at how we choose to have people in our life is the other thing and how we choose to relate to people now, now that we have a country that's so far divided and it's sad but we look you know from a Republican or a Democrat Democrats can't trust Republicans Republicans can't trust Democrats, and they cannot hold a political conversation without it turning into something awful. And that's the sad truth, you know, because both feel that there has been cheating or stealing or miss or lies between them. And so there's a lot of bad blood because ultimately, from a Republican perspective, they feel betrayed by the Democratic Party and by our country, having seen them lie and lie and lie and lie for the last four years. You know, 
if you ever stolen anything, you know, most of us, is, as far as small children or even as adults, have done this. You know, the child, of course, is usually unaware of the crime until the parent forces them to take back the candy or, or whatever object that was picked up in the store or, or the change that was scooped off the mantle or slipped into a pocket. And as adults, we sometimes casually take take Kleenexes from a hotel room. Some might even uh, uh, take a towel or, or a bathrobe, uh, thinking most probably I'm, I'm paying enough for this hotel that they should give me a few extra Kleenexes for the price. And of course, people faced by huge hardships are sometimes forced to steal when they're hungry to save their lives or when their children are in dire need or in wartime or other times when uh, when there's uh, places of grim poverty. But a wonderful example uh, 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 is is uh, a character in Great Expectations named Pip who steals some bread and a, 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 a file for the convict who Ter- uh, terrifies him with the imaginary man who will tear out his heart or liver if he does not comply. You know, Socrates says that no one knowingly commits an evil action. Evil is turned into good in the mind. And that is sad. But the thief, like a pedophile, who convinces himself the child really wants to make uh, to make love to him, convinces himself that he has the right to the object he desires. So he needs it more than the other does, and it's rightfully his, and that's a pedophile for you. You know, it's easier to steal from an anonymous, large organization than an individual. It's easier to steal from someone who, who seems well-endowed, who has uh, and seems to have much more. He won't even notice. He has so much money anyway. You know, the dishonest shopkeeper probably thinks that to steal from people, those he considers to have had much, much more, are too stupid to even notice. You know, you see this happen. You know, it's true about great wealth. A person, for example, who has numerous houses, forgets how many they own, seems to be a legitimate prey. But what about someone who has all they need and steals anyway? You know, there's an example always out there of people that do that. You know, so stealing is a need for excitement for these people, for the thrill of it, to see what they can get away with. It's an ego boost that they got away with it. And, you know, you have to wonder if if the large uh, thefts of money in the stock market, like insider trading by people who will probably already have a whole ton of money, are motivated by thinking in that way. You know, it, thieves steal something even more valuable than money or goods. They steal trust. And it's a double blow. To lose your hard-earned cash or property or to have your valuables taken by someone you know, Both aspects of the crime are rotten, and the challenge as a victim is handling both forms of betrayal to keep the rot from taking hold. And it's a paradox, to be sure, to cultivate trust even as you recognize that people violate it or accept that a crime was uh, created against you without allowing it to recast your identity. The point to move on from the event while learning from it, and that's important, and to reclaim both your stuff and your confidence. It's not easy, and it often hurts, but but you have to do the healing, and that's the most important part. If you just stay on the crime, if you focus on the crime and you can't control the outcome, what you need to control or try to control is what you do, how you choose to respond, how you choose to, to, to view the world, and you have to also understand that maybe that event is a one-off unless that person is still in your life.
you know, let's say you decide to confront a person whose account was credited and they deny all the knowledge of the situation. But later they, they sh- their, their, their partner shows up at your house and gives you the exact amount of money that was illegally deposited. No matter the coincidence, the guy wants to give up the precise amount contained in a missing paycheck just for the heck of it. You know, and, and it's quite embarrassing when, let's say, your partner has to take accountability for you. But some people do that. And some people marry with someone who has a different sense of what stealing and cheating is and to how big uh, stealing and cheating can be. And people that steal and cheat often can do that on a small scale and on a large scale. And so when you see someone cheating or stealing, you have to understand that there's great potential for them to have no boundaries on a lot of different issues, including infidelity, because they have the mindset of being able to put it behind them after they've done it. And so, you know, um, we go through these experiences by staying present with our feelings and our thoughts. And so the idea is to ride the wave of the event, even if it means crashing through lies and violations. We fear that nothing can help uh, the perpetrators or ourselves. And there's often tears of anger, grief, and loss of innocence. And, and saltwater tears like the ocean spray, they sting. And, and that's because we have so much, you know, it, salt. But, you know, I, I just remember um, a couple of years ago, uh, somebody, I was coming back from an airport and somebody, I, I stopped at the grocery real quick on the way home and uh, it was night and it was kind of dark. And uh, two people were breaking into my truck and they stole my bag with all my stuff, everything, uh, because I put it in a bag uh, because I was going through the metal detector and all that stuff at at the airport. But anyway, the bottom line was they took a whole lot of very, very valuable personal things. It hurt so bad because when I got to the truck, as I got to the truck, they were jumping in their car and driving off and laughing. And to me, to understand what kind of mindset would be these kind of people, it's just they, the thrill of it. The thrill of it was what they were in it for. And, you know, the mindfulness is what I had to do is to stay mindful and not focus on that event, focus on the recovery and focus on being smarter about how I conduct myself and what I leave inside my vehicle. It was my fault that I left valuable things inside the vehicle to be seen by other people who I knew it was in an unsafe place. And that's what I can control. And that's what I have to understand that there are people out there who spend their lives cheating and stealing. That's what they do. You know, after a major betrayal of trust in your in, in, in a relationship, let's say, it may feel like a challenge to move on. And, and sometimes in some instances it will be. But if you and your partner decide to stay together after cheating, or work on things, or want to rebuild trust, here's how to do it. The person who has cheated, the person who has stolen, the person who has lied, if they want to mend that relationship, the first thing they have to do is to make a decision that they have learned their lesson, and they will never do it again, and that they will value trust. And if they want to win trust back, don't expect to be trusted, but ask for the partner, the other person, the person you've stolen from, the person you've cheated on, the person you've lied to, ask them to have faith in you. Not to trust you, but to have faith in you that you have learned 
and you do not want to hurt them again, and that you don't expect them to trust you, but you're hoping that they will give you the faith that you want to change. And that's how we begin to build the bridge to get back to trust. It's important to understand that. You know, anybody that you've stolen from, anybody you've lied to, anybody that you've cheated, if you go back and ask them to have faith in you and apologize and take accountability, you as a human being will change. Your brain, your neurology will change because now you have learned. You took accountability for yourself and that, my friend, is gaining your self-respect back. And we can do that over time if we stay with it. And it's important to do that. You know, if it feels like the relationship is over, you can certainly move on. But, you know, you if you want to repair things with a person that you've violated, it'd be important to get in the mindset of healing and away from one that feels like everything's ruined. Then you can start to move on. And that's by the person who has violated to begin to say, I have hope. I have hope that things are going to heal. I believe in this relationship. You may not believe in it right now, but I do. And I think we're strong enough to make it through it. Somebody has to take that position and it should be the violator if we want to heal. And that's a very important aspect of understanding how to get trust back in your life. You know, you shouldn't go on with your life and pretend like something didn't happen. You need to make a change somewhere in your life to prevent those kind of violations from happening to you. It may not be a total great thing. Maybe you got a security system on your house or something like that. That's not going to stop everything. But what it's going to do is give you a sense that I've done everything I could. All right. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about healing a little bit more. Then we're going to talk about accountability and why it's important and why we shouldn't steal and cheat and lie. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about the psychology of cheating and stealing. You know, when you think about it, one of the biggest mistakes you can make uh, if someone has cheated or stolen from you is to go out and get them back. You know, if if you have this urge, try to resist it. You know, getting even needs no room or remorse for reconnection and repair. People who can't move past their anger are unable to rebound from breaches of trust. And by the way, this is something that we have to learn in this life. We are going to have our trust violated continuously on a daily basis. It's really how we choose to respond to it. Do we have to get back at people that hurt us? I know that's the first instinct is to hurt someone else who has hurt you. And that, as a human being, is instinctually uh, how we feel. But the bottom line is you have to be wise. It's not helpful to dwell on things that other people have chosen and then for us to choose to do it ourselves and fall into their own loss of personal integrity. You know, it's important for us to really value that in this life, we are full of choices and people respond to us and people follow us. And children, if you're a parent, people, your kids are going to fall into the same patterns that you allow for yourself if you do those kind of things. And you're just creating multiple generations of people who can't be trusted, who have cheating and stealing in their life, and it's okay for them. You know, once a grudge has has lodged itself in your brain, you may continually take it out on someone. You know, you may also treat them unfairly, making it hard to rebuild your relationship on solid ground. And that's not, you know, not going to get either of you anywhere. You know, if you're in a relationship, let's say, where your partner betrayed your trust, it makes perfect sense why you'd feel paranoid or suspicious. You know, you might be tempted Uh, to keep a closer eye on what they do or say in order to make sure it doesn't happen again. But doing so will only further damage the trust in the relationship. True trust demands that we tolerate what we don't know about our partners or people in our life. And intimacy can easily be squeezed out by these attempts at control, you know? And and so um, I often say to couples, especially if it has to do with cheating, you know, if they're really trying to work on their relationship, they really have to understand that the cheating is a symptom of a bigger problem. And also, it also says a lot about the integrity of the partner and whether they want to recover that in their life. And so when people do uh, want to, to heal from that, there's a lot of things that have to be done. But the biggest thing is for the person who's been cheated on is to really understand that these kind of decisions are all about the person who cheated rather than the person that's been cheated on. 
people that are cheated on, people that are stolen from, and this is what infuriates like the, this this election, when when people steal and people lie and people cheat, it means that half the population of this country are objects, and that's all they are. They're just objects. They're not people, and it's sad that people are so arrogant and so ridiculously delusional to understand that they don't that they're 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 they have violated half of this country just violated outright corporations that have sponsored this this has been set up for years and and it's sad you know when your trust is is severely betrayed it may be difficult to, to ever forget so don't try to force your brain to magically erase what happened but you have to do your best not to hold a grudge. And that's the hard part. You know, couples can also sabotage themselves by expecting trust to be there 100% of the time. Well, it's just not going to be there after there's been trust violations. But that doesn't mean you have to dwell on it. That means you want to heal from it, which is what we're going to have to do as a country is try to heal somehow. Um, you know, understanding that trust is incremental. It helps the offending a partner to realize that they haven't lost ground just because they seem to have trust one minute and then not the next. But it's really crazy that when we grieve, um, we have all kinds of emotions. We have depression. We have sadness. We have denial. We, we have anger. We have acceptance. And, and that's how people heal through cheating and stealing. And people that cheat and steal are directly violating other people's lives. And they don't even think about the person that they're cheating and they're lying to and they're stealing. They don't even think about it. They're just objects. You know, the gravity of something like an affair becomes the sun in a person's life. And, and they're having to stare at it constantly because it's always there. Even when you you're, close your eyes, it's always there. And you might be tempted to figure out what went wrong or what mistakes led up to the affair or to the mistrust or to the cheating or to the lying or to the, to the, to the stealing. But infidelity doesn't mean the relationship was bad. There's just a problem with the cheater. There's a problem with the person that steals in their life that needs to be resolved. It needs to be resolved. And hopefully it's resolved within their soul so that it takes hold. And it's not a human decision. It's a, it's a self-compassionate decision to not want your life to go that way. Accountability is not simply taking the blame when someone something goes wrong. It's not a confession. Accountability is about delivering on a commitment. It's a responsibility to an outcome, uh, not just a set of tasks. It's taking initiative with thoughtful, strategic follow-through. You know, it's interesting. I left a grocery store and I noticed that I hadn't paid for something and it felt so good because I had to go, I had an appointment, I did the appointment and then I went back to the store and I'm not trying to put myself forward here, but I'm just going to tell you how it felt. I went back to the store and I said, I did not pay for this I, I, for somehow reason. I think I did a self checkout or something and uh, paid for it. But what, what's interesting is it felt so good to know that I still cared enough about doing the right thing. It meant a lot. And when we start doing the right thing, when we start doing the wise thing, we ourselves become better people. And it's important for us to do that. 
You know, set clear expectations. The first step is to be crystal clear about what you want for yourself. That means you want to be clear about the outcome that you desire, how you measure success, how people should go about achieving. It doesn't have to all come from you. In fact, the more skilled your your the people are that you surround yourselves with, the better off your life is going to become. If you have people that will hold you accountable, that will help you. You know, take clear culpability. What what skills a person needs to to meet expectations? You know, what resources do you need to meet expectations? Well, you know, if a person does not have what's necessary, they can acquire what's missing. So in, within yourself, if you want to be a culpable person, surround yourself with culpable people and they will help you stay accountable. You know, there also has to be measurement on the fact that I haven't cheated, I haven't stolen, I haven't lied in the past five days. That is an achievement compared to where I was. You should be proud of yourself when you do things like that. You know, you need to be honest about the fact that you've cheated or lied and and be honest that that's been in your life because it's in everyone's life. It's absolutely, without a doubt, a challenge that every single person has in their life. And we as people have to be more accountable for that. All right. There's also, uh, you know, the consequences. You have to have consequences for yourself when things go bad and when you do bad things. And you need to hold yourself with consequences. You know, these are the building blocks of accountability. and, And the magic is in the way it works together. You know, if you miss one, accountability will fall through the gap. So, you know, remember that, that, that you are going to be plagued in your life that what goes around comes around. If you're going to lie, cheat, or steal, it will come back to you. Number one, you have to understand that stealing and cheating always disrespects the person you're cheating on. Instead of caring, you know, what the owner's free will is, the thief will take what they want, even if the owner has not given their voluntary uh, consent. And for this reason, stealing always devalues that person, deeming the thing to be taken more important than the person is being taken from. Also, stealing always harms an owner. You know, uh, theft always decreases a person's, uh, the legal owner's profit, use, or enjoyment. And thieves cause a rightful owner to suffer loss no matter how small because stealing always subtracts, or in cheating, always subtracts from what an owner Owns. Also, stealing and cheating always harms the character of the perpetrator. And it's important to understand that. You know, by agreeing to sin and agreeing to harm an owner, a thief immediately lowers their standard and becomes untrustworthy and finds it all the easier to steal more often in, in greater amounts. And, and also, cheating in greater amounts. You know, it's a hardening of the heart and a scarring of, of, of the conscious and the depravity of your soul when you choose to go down that path. Stealing always grieves uh, uh, God. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, the word of God calls stealing a sin, prohibits it. This is why Western civilization reflects God's laws when it makes it punishable to steal, beginning with petty theft, larceny, also cheating. You know, whenever someone takes on uh, takes on something or take cheats to get something, they're stealing. It's 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 a definition of th- of a threat of, of theft. And as an author of mor- morality, God views any stealing as a crime against Himself, 
for he cannot have fellowship with that. You know, stealing also begins with coveting. You know, security experts know that if a thief can see something or doesn't know it exists, it's less likely that the thief will um, occur. And in the same way, the Bible informs us that all sins start in the inside before they manifest on the outside. Now, I'm not trying to preach, but what are some types of stealing? Petty theft, burglary, robbery, embezzlement, knowingly receiving stolen property, cooperating with thieves, identity theft, intellectual property theft, illegal entry, shoplifting, looting, vandalism, dishonest business practices, cheating on your taxes, refusing to pay debts, keeping property you found without making any effort to find the owner, you know, uh, 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 claiming the work or knowledge of others to be your own, you know, when politicians and parties defraud voters when union bosses coerce money from workers, when stealing anything from your employer, stealing food or drink from a restaurant, that, or, that my friends, is stealing. And, and, and we need to keep that conscious. What is it? And define it and then understand it. You know, people really, cheaters always have excuses. Like, I didn't intend to hurt you. Well, you know, I don't care about your intentions. They're irrelevant. You knew full well that cheating would hurt me. Or stealing from me will hurt me, which is why you kept it a secret and you didn't intend to hurt me. Well, you didn't intentionally try to keep me from harm either. Just be honest. You know, here's another excuse of cheaters. You weren't meeting my needs. Well, don't accept responsibility for cheating. You were meeting my needs either and I didn't cheat on you. So please don't try to pawn this crap off on me. Uh, I need time to decide. You can't decide if you want to be with me. Or if you don't want to cheat or lie or steal, I'm not going to. I'm not a consolation prize. I'm a. I'm a partner, and this isn't a bidding war. And I'm not going to compete for the honor of your ambivalence. There's the door. I'm getting on with my life without you. Monogamy isn't natural. That's another statement these folks make. Well, I'm not going to get sidetracked with a discussion about how natural or unnatural monogamy is. It's agreed to monogamy and change those rules for yourself without telling me. And that's a matter of character, not monogamy. I do want a monogamous relationship, so we're incompatible. You know, this is just taking it straight with people that try to make excuses like cheaters do in marriage. There is no excuse. There just isn't. And so that's our show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you for listening. You know, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that on our webpage at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, don't steal. Politicians and political parties hate competition. Also remember, cheaters don't think cheating is wrong until they're cheated on. Also, never waste your time arguing with someone who believes their own lies. And finally... What would happen if men lost an inch of their penis every time they cheated? Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 